This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Winna Hathaway. The Circular Staircase by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Chapter 26. Halsey's Disappearance. Nothing that had gone before had been as bad as this. The murder and Thomas's sudden death we had been able to view in a detached sort of way. But with Halsey's disappearance, everything was altered. Our little circle, intact until now, was broken. We were no longer onlookers who saw a battle passing around them. We were the center of action. Of course, there was no time then to voice such an idea. My mind seemed able to hold only one thought, that Halsey had been foully dealt with, and that every minute lost might be fatal. Mr. Jameson came back about eight o'clock the next morning. He was covered with mud, and his hat was gone. Altogether, we were a sad-looking trio that gathered around a breakfast that no one could eat. Over a cup of black coffee, the detective told us what he had learned of Halsey's movements the night before. Up to a certain point, the car had made it easy enough to follow him, and I gathered that Mr. Burns, the other detective, had followed a similar car for miles at dawn, only to find it was a touring car on an endurance run. "'He left here about ten minutes after eight, Mr. Jameson said. "'He went alone, and at eight-twenty he stopped at Dr. Walker's. "'I went to the doctor's about midnight, but he had been called out on the case, "'and had not come back at four o'clock. "'From the doctor's it seems Mr. Innes walked across the lawn to the cottage "'Mrs. Armstrong and her daughter have taken. "'Mrs. Armstrong had retired.' and he said perhaps a dozen words to Miss Louise. She will not say what they were, but the girl evidently suspects what has occurred. That is, she suspects foul play, but she doesn't know of what nature. Then, apparently, he started directly for the station. He was going very fast. The flagman at the Carroll Street crossing says he saw the car pass. He knew the siren. Along somewhere in the dark stretch between Carroll Street and the depot, he evidently swerved suddenly, perhaps someone in the road, and went full into the side of a freight. We found it there last night. He might have been thrown under the train by the force of the shock, I said tremulously. Gertrude shuddered. We examined every inch of track. There was no sign. "'But surely he can't be gone,' I cried. "'Aren't there traces in the mud? Anything?' "'There is no mud, only dust. "'There's been no rain, and the footpath there is of cinders. "'Miss Innes, I am inclined to think that he has met with bad treatment "'in the light of what has gone before. "'I do not think he has been murdered.' "'I shrank from the word.' Burns is back in the country, on a clue we got from the night clerk at the drugstore. There will be two more men here by noon, and the city office is on the lookout. 
the creek gertrude asked the creek is shallow now if it were swollen with rain it would be different there is hardly any water in it now miss innes he said turning to me i must ask you some questions had mr halsey any possible reason for going away like this without warning none whatever he went away once before he persisted and you were as sure then he did not leave the dragonfly jammed into the side of a freight car before no but he left it for repairs in a blacksmith shop a long distance from here do you know if he had any enemies any one who might wish him out of the way not that i know of unless no i cannot think of any was he in the habit of carrying money he never carried it far no he never had more than enough for current expenses mr jameson got up then and began to pace the room it was an unwanted concession to the occasion then i think we get at it by elimination the chances are against flight if he was hurt we find no trace of him it looks almost like an abduction this young dr walker have you any idea why mr innes should have gone there last night i cannot understand it gertrude said thoughtfully i don't think he knew dr walker at all and their relations could hardly have been cordial under the circumstances jameson pricked up his ears and little by little he drew from us the unfortunate story of halsey's love affair and the fact that louise was going to marry dr walker mr jameson listened attentively there are some interesting developments here he said thoughtfully the woman who claims to be the mother of lucy and wallace has not come back your nephew has apparently been spirited away there is an organized attempt being made to enter this house in fact it has been entered witness the incident with the cook yesterday and i have a new piece of information he looked carefully away from gertrude mr john bailey is not at his knickerbocker apartments and i don't know where he is it's a hash that's what it is it's a chinese puzzle they won't fit together unless unless mr bailey and your nephew have again and once again gertrude surprised me they are not together she said hotly i know where mr bailey is and my brother is not with him the detective turned and looked at her keenly miss gertrude he said if you and miss louise would only tell me everything you know and surmise about this business i should be able to do a great many things i believe i could find your brother and i might be able to well to do some other things but gertrude's glance did not falter nothing that i know could help you to find halsey she said stubbornly i know absolutely as little of his disappearance as you do and i can only say this i do not trust dr walker i think he hated halsey and he would get rid of him if he could perhaps you are right 
In fact, I had some such theory myself. But Dr. Walker went out late last night to a serious case in Summitville, and is still there. Burns traced him there. We have made guarded inquiry at the Greenwood Club and through the village. There is absolutely nothing to go on but this. On the embankment above the railroad, at the point where we found the machine, is a small house. An old woman and a daughter, who is very lame, live there. They say that they distinctly heard the shock when the dragonfly hit the car, and they went to the bottom of their garden and looked over. The automobile was there. They could see the lights, and they thought someone had been injured. It was very dark, but they could make out two figures, standing together. The women were curious, and leaving the fence, they went back and, by a roundabout path, down to the road. When they got there, the car was still standing, the headlight broken, and the bonnet crushed, but there was no one to be seen. The detective went away immediately, and to Gertrude and me was left the woman's part, to watch and wait. By luncheon, nothing had been found, and I was frantic. I went upstairs to Halsey's room finally, from sheer inability to sit across from Gertrude any longer, and meet her terror-filled eyes. Liddy was in my dressing-room, suspiciously red-eyed and trying to put a right sleeve in a left armhole of a new waist for me. I was too much shaken to scold. "'What name did that woman in the kitchen give?' she demanded, viciously ripping out the offending sleeve. "'Bliss, Matty Bliss,' I replied. "'Bliss, M.P.' "'Well, that's not what she has on the suitcase. "'It is marked N.F.C.' "'The new cook and her initials troubled me not at all.' I put on my bonnet and sent for what the Casanova liveryman called a stylish turnout. Having once made up my mind to a course of action, I am not one to turn back. Warner drove me. He was plainly disgusted, and he steered the livery horse as he would a dragonfly, feeling uneasily with his left foot for the clutch and working his right elbow at an imaginary horn every time a dog got in the way. Warner had something on his mind, and after we had turned into the road, he voiced it. "'Miss Innes,' he said, "'I overheard a part of a conversation yesterday that I didn't understand. It wasn't my business to understand it, for that matter. But I've been thinking all day that I'd better tell you. Yesterday afternoon, while you and Miss Gertrude were out driving, I had got the car in some sort of shape again after the fire, and I went to the library to call Mr. Innes to see it. I went into the living room where Miss Liddy said he was, and halfway across to the library I heard him talking to someone. He seemed to be walking up and down, and he was in a rage, I can tell you. What did he say? The first thing I heard was, excuse me, Miss Innes, but it's what he said. That damn rascal, he said, I'll see him in, well, in hell was what he said, in hell first. 
Then somebody else spoke up. It was a woman. She said, I warned them, but they thought I would be afraid. A woman? Did you wait to see who it was? I wasn't spying, Miss Innes, Warner said with dignity. But the next thing caught my attention. She said, I knew there was something wrong from the start. A man isn't well one day and dead the next, without some reason. I thought she was speaking of Thomas. And you don't know who it was, I exclaimed. Warner, you had the key to this whole occurrence in your hands and did not use it. However, there was nothing to be done. I resolved to make inquiry when I got home, and in the meantime my present errand absorbed me. This was nothing less than to see Louise Armstrong and to attempt to drag from her what she knew or suspected of Halsey's disappearance. But here, as in every direction I turned, I was baffled. A neat maid answered the bell, but she stood squarely in the doorway, and it was impossible to preserve one's dignity and pass her. Miss Armstrong is very ill and unable to see anyone. She said, I did not believe her. And Mrs. Armstrong, is she also ill? She is with Miss Louise and cannot be disturbed. Tell her it is Miss Innes, and that it is a matter of greatest importance. It would be of no use, Miss Innes. My orders are positive. At that moment a heavy step sounded on the stairs. Past the maid's white-strapped shoulder, I could see a familiar thatch of gray hair, and in a moment I was face to face with Dr. Stewart. He was very grave, and his customary geniality was tinged with restraint. "'You are the very woman I want to see,' he said promptly. "'Send away your trap, and let me drive you home. "'What is this about your nephew?' "'He has disappeared, doctor. Not only that,' but there is every evidence that he has been either abducted or... I could not finish. The doctor helped me into his capacious buggy in silence. Until we had got a little distance, he did not speak. Then he turned and looked at me. Now tell me about it, he said. He heard me through without speaking. And you think Louise knows something? he said when I had finished. I don't, in fact, I'm sure of it. The best evidence of it is this. She asked me if he had been heard from, or if anything had been learned. She won't allow Walker in the room, and she made me promise to see you and tell you this. Don't give up the search for him. Find him, and find him soon. He is living. Well, I said, if she knows that, she knows more. She is a very cruel and ungrateful girl. She is a very sick girl, he said gravely. Neither you nor I can judge her until we know everything. Both she and her mother are ghosts of their former selves. Under all this, these two sudden deaths, this bank robbery, the invasions at Sunnyside, and Halsey's disappearance, there is some mystery that, mark my words, will come out some day. And when it does, 
we shall find Louise Armstrong a victim. I had not noticed where we were going, but now I saw we were beside the railroad, and from a knot of men standing beside the track, I divined that it was here the car had been found. The siding, however, was empty. Except for a few bits of splintered wood on the ground, there was no sign of the accident. "'Where is the freight car that was rammed?' the doctor asked the bystander. "'It was taken away at daylight when the train was moved.' There was nothing to be gained. He pointed out the house on the embankment where the old lady and her daughter had heard the crash and seen two figures beside the car. Then we drove slowly home. I had the doctor put me down at the gate, and I walked to the house, past the lodge where we had found Louise and later poor Thomas, up the drive where I had seen a man watching the lodge and where, later, Rosie had been frightened, past the east entrance where, so short a time before, the most obstinate effort had been made to enter the house, and where that night, two weeks ago, Lydia and I had seen the strange woman. Not far from the west wing lay the blackened ruins of the stables. I felt like a ruin myself, as I paused on the broad veranda before I entered the house. Two private detectives had arrived in my absence, and it was a relief to turn over to them the responsibility of the house and grounds. Mr. Jameson, they said, had arranged for more to assist in the search for the missing man, and at that time the country was being scoured in all directions. The household staff was again depleted that afternoon. Lydia was waiting to tell me that the new cook had gone, bag and baggage, without waiting to be paid. No one had admitted the visitor whom Warner had heard in the library, unless possibly the missing cook. Again I was working in a circle. End of chapter 26 Recording by Winna Hathaway In Fayetteville, North Carolina